of Life on Mission. Are we having fun yet with our Life on Mission? Are we being challenged yet? You think about it, we've all been called by God to a life of mission. We've all been called to a purpose. Each one of us has a purpose in our life that God specifically calls us for. And, and last week we talked about our oneness or our unity as we should all be together doing what God calls us to do. You know, that we should um, respond and be committed to doing what God has called each of us to do and be called to come together as one, as one church, as one body. And, and we talked about it's not about denomination. It's about that relationship with Jesus. And it's about us all coming together as a church and as the body of Christ doing what we're called to do. And I think it's important because this is a big mission. I think this mission is bigger than any of us could ever imagine. But it's the mission that God has called us to do. And it's what he asks us to do each and every day. And, and one of the things we're going to look at today um, is how we should respond to this. How we should respond to the mission that God has called us to do. And, and you think about it, the, the fact of what he expects from us is the same thing that he expected from his 12 disciples over 2,000 years ago. To be obedient to what he calls you to do and to be able to move forward. And Jesus intends for us to work together on this mission together. He intends for us to work together on it. It's not an individual role. Each, even though each one of us has our individual part, it is a team sport. We'll put it that way. <laughs> All right. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. As a reminder, the scripture will also be up here on the screen. And if you're watching online real quick, hey, let's give it up for those watching online today. All right. Thank you for joining us online. We will have the scripture online for you also. But just a reminder, as much as we're glad you're here watching us online, whether it's live or the video later, you know, we thank you for that. But make sure this doesn't replace you being connected with the local church. You know, we appreciate you being here, but make sure you're connected with the local church where you can work on your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with others. Again, we're glad you're here. And definitely, let's go ahead and let's dig into what God's word has to say. Ephesians chapter 4 Verses 1 through 16. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy, to live worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive, he gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers 
equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing in maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, Lord, may you open up our hearts to receive what it is you have us to receive. Open our eyes so that we may see you and open our ears that we may hear your voice. And Lord, may my words be yours. May you be glorified. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here the Apostle Paul. He's, he's reminding us once again that we've been called by God. We've been called by God onto this mission, and we're made for mission. We're made to be on this life of mission. And in verse 3, the Apostle Paul actually urges us to work together. He tells us to make every effort to keep ourselves united. Keep ourselves united in his spirit, binding ourselves together with peace. Staying together with peace, showing that love for one another. And he's describing our responsibility to serve together. Because we are called to serve together. We're called to be one. And we're called to serve together with love. Peacefully preserving our unity. And our spiritual oneness with Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be one. And Paul describes the unity of the doctrine. He talks about there's only one God. One spirit. He, he's bringing all of it together to show us that we should be united just as Jesus is united with the Father. And he's talking about teamwork. He talks about teamwork. He talks about us coming together, being of one mind, working together for one mission. Yeah. Isn't it amazing when people can work together for the same thing? How much more can be accomplished? And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul's talking about today. He's talking about our common, commonness together and working together. But then it's interesting because in verse 7 and 8, he kind of changed his tune a little bit. And he changes from our oneness of an individual um, Christian to a, from our oneness in a variety to our actual individual Christianity. And in verses 7 and 8, it says, Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive, and he gave gifts to the people. Now, through the years, this verse has really been um, confusing to some people. But actually, all Paul is doing here is he's quoting Psalm 68, 18. And he's quoting this psalm from King David. And when King David wrote this psalm, he was talking about a victorious king. He was talking about this victorious king coming back from battle and his captives were of his enemies. Now, what Paul's meaning here is he's referring this to Jesus Christ. Jesus being the ultimate, um, the king, the victorious king who's ascending on high and his captives aren't from his enemies. 
His captives are us as followers. As us followers of Jesus Christ, he's bringing us with him and he's releasing us from our captivity of sin. We were captivated by sin. We were stuck in our sinful lives before. And then through the acceptance of Jesus and him conquering our sinful life, we're able to go with him and he's able to take us with him um, up to heaven and, and take us into his kingdom. And he tells us that Jesus gives each believer a gift. So every one of us gets a gift. Every one of us gets a gift for the team. And understand it, it's a spiritual gift. It's a supernatural gift that's above your own. It's not something that you can say, this is what I do. This is something that Jesus gives each one of us individually, and it's his God-given ability that keeps us different from somebody else, that allows us to do something different. And, and in verse 9, Paul actually kind of clarifies this, um, and he's applying this to Jesus when he says in verse 9 and 10, but what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. So in other words, he's talking about Jesus descended. He's talking about Jesus is the one who descended. He made himself nothing. Think about that. Jesus made himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant. He took on the actual human likeness, became a man in part, and he humbled himself to obedient to death on a cross for us. And now what happened after he, he died on that cross? He was exalted and given a name above all names. So he descended onto this earth and he has ascended into heaven. And actually, you, you talk about his omnipresence. He actually allows himself and gives his attributes to fill the entire universe with himself. So he can be with us and he has called you and empowered you to join him in this mission. That's pretty amazing. He has called us to join him on this mission. And as we continue, we find this theme of this message that the apostle Paul is talking about. Uh, it, it's re it really starts to play out in how it actually is supposed to work for us as individuals and us also as a church. And in verses 11 through 13, Paul actually says this, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. So the Bible says that Christ has given each of his gifts. He's given his gifts to each individual inside the church. And what I want you to do is I want you to read this with me. I want you to read what's going to be in bold and red, but Christ gave these gifts for equipping the saints to do what? The work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Wait, read that with me again. The work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. So look at your neighbor. If you don't have a neighbor, look across the aisle. Look at your neighbor, and I want you to point at your neighbor, and I want to say, God called you to do his work. All right? Now, the person you just got told, turn around and tell the other person, God told you you've been called to work in ministry. Okay, now understand, we all know Jesus told us to go, therefore, and make disciples, right? Right? 
I've told you that more than once, right? Well, guess what? Now your neighbor in your pew just told you the same thing. So if you've been told three times, it must mean something, right? It must mean that you must do the work of the ministry. And it's interesting when it says saints. So it says saints, and who are the saints in the Bible? You know, some religions say, oh, it's Luke and Paul and John. And, but saints in Bibles, guess who it includes? Each one of you. So each one of us has been called to do the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Each one of us. Now, it's interesting because, you know, I've been called to be a pastor and teacher. So you know what my responsibility is as a pastor and a teacher? To equip God's people. It's my job to do the equipping. It's my job to prepare God's people to do whose work? His work. It's my job to do that, and it's my job to equip you to build up the church. That's what my job is. And as you just found out, it's your job to do what? Actually do the work. Now, I'm going to do the work right with you because I'm still called by God to do the work. But it's more than a one-man show. It's each one of our jobs to do the work of the ministry. It's each of our jobs to do the work. And if you don't believe me, you may want to just read John 14, 12, because Jesus actually says this, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the father. So you can, I can tell you as, as Christ followers, it is my prayer that as believers, that you would know that God's calling you to minister to other people. God is calling you to make disciples, and God is calling you to build up the church. And I really would hope that as believers, you actually understand that and see that. That would be my prayer. And I know some of you are probably thinking, well, pastor, I just can't do that. I don't know the Bible that well. Well, pastor, I can't pray with people. I just get uncomfortable to pray with people. Man, pastor, you want me to go tell someone about Jesus? I can't tell them about the day I had yesterday. And I understand that. And you know, I got good news for you because you may not have graduated at the top of your class. You may not have been voted most likely to succeed, but God still calls you. God calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And that means he's calling each one of us and going to make sure we're equipped to do what he calls us to do. But it's each one of our jobs to go out and do it. Even if you're a student going back to school on Tuesday, it's your job to be obedient and do what God calls you to do. Be a difference maker inside your classroom. Don't just go with the flow. Be a difference maker. Anyone who's out there working, be a difference maker in your job. Be a difference maker in your own household. Do what you're called to do and do what you, you know, we're called to be Christ-like. Are we really trying to be Christ-like or are we just going with the flow? You don't need to be at the top of your class. You know, Jesus, I believe, looks for volunteers. He looks for ordinary people. Like I said, do extraordinary things. And think of this, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul actually puts it like this. He says, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise 
from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God had chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, uh, what is viewed as nothing to bring nothing, what is viewed as something. So in other words, God called us not because of who you are. He's not calling you for who you are. He's calling you in spite of who you are. He's calling you for right where you're at, just as you are. That's how God calls us. Remember, he chose the foolish, the weak, the lowly. He chose all of this to change the world and to show the world the, the need for him and the need for his power. You know, and all throughout the Bible, God, we see God calls people. God calls people. He speaks to people. He speaks through people. He moves people to where he needs them to be at. We see it throughout the Bible. And so as people, I think, you know, we, we kind of get caught up when God calls us. And I think there's three different answers that each one of us at some point in our life have either given God or may currently be giving God when he tries to call us. So I think we can identify this. And I think the first response we give when God says, hey, I want you to do this. I think our first response is, I'm not going. I'm not going, God. It's not me. That's the Jonah response. Think about it. Think about the, in Jonah. Jonah's response was exactly this. In Jonah chapter one, it actually says that the Lord came to Jonah and said, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come before me. So we know God spoke to Jonah. God spoke to Jonah. And we know that, that Jonah responded to God. Now, he didn't respond to God with words. He responded more with actions. Because we all know what Jonah did. Jonah's like, I'm not going. He went down to Joppa, got on a boat, tried to go to Tarshish, says, I'm out of here. And see, I, I can relate to Jonah because for many years in my life, I ran from God. I ran looking over my shoulder, hoping he wouldn't catch up to me because I knew what he wanted me to do and I didn't want to do it. And then finally he tackled me. And finally, he, I, he changed. you know, I, at least I didn't get stuck inside a fish for three days. Okay. And I think some of us can relate to that. Some of us can relate to running from God, and you may be running from God right now in your own life, and you're giving that Jonah answer, I'm not going. And you're running, looking over your shoulder, hoping God don't catch you. He's going to catch you. He's going to catch you. I'm not going is not a valid excuse, although we do tend to use it. I think the next thing we look at is look at what Moses had to say. We know Moses very well, and basically Moses said, send someone else. Send someone else. I think some of us may have done, man, he just send somebody else. You, you think about this. Moses was tending the flock for his father-in-law, Jethro. He sees a burning bush. He sees fire in a bush, but it's not consuming the bush, which kind of like was weird. I think I would have done the same thing. I would have walked over and said, what in the world is this going on over here? And as he's looking at this bush, the Lord speaks to him. 
And as the Lord begins to speak to him, he, here I am. So they kind of get to know who's talking to who and who's doing what. And God says this to Moses. Therefore go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now think about this. Moses had to know he escaped himself. He had to know what was happening to his people in Egypt was not a good thing. They were being held slaves. They were being captive. They were doing all of this work, and he knew it wasn't a good thing. He knew someone needed to go get them out. Notice I said he knew someone needed to go get them out because his reply to God in verse 11 was this. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go? to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt. In other words, he told God, you got the wrong guy. It's not me. I'm not good enough to do this, God. Are you kidding me? Surely, God, you're mistaken. It can't be me. How many times do we give that same response? <laughs> you need to send someone else, God. I'm not going. You need to send someone else. Because that's exactly what we're seeing. You know, hey, God, you need to send that person. They're way more gifted than me. Man, they can talk so much. You need to send them, not me. You remember Moses even tried to say, I'm not good with speech. It's okay, we'll send Aaron with you. <laughs> All right. So when you try to give excuses, God's going to give you, going to take away your excuse. So we know Jonah said, I'm not going which probably many in this room have said. Moses says, send somebody else, which I've heard people say, just so you know. So now let's look at Isaiah. It was around 740 BC, King Uzziah had just died. Isaiah was hurting, he, he was missing his king, and it says that he was given a vision. And in his vision, he saw God on his throne. He saw the angels worshiping God. And then he heard this in Isaiah 6, 8. Who will I send? Who will go for us? These are the words that Isaiah heard coming from heaven. Now, before I read his response, I'm going to tell you what he did not say. He did not say, no, I'm not going. He did not say, send someone else. He did not even ask, where are you going to send me? Where do you want me to go? He simply said these words, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. You see, Isaiah was committed to the call of God. He was committed to what God called him to do. He was committed and, and basically he signed a blank contract for God. He signed a blank contract that said, God, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. If you want me to go somewhere, I'm going. If you want me to go talk to someone, I'm going to talk to them. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm giving you this blank check. Here I am, send me. He gave it all and was obedient to what God wanted. He wanted to be used by God so much. Here I am, send me. Now, I guarantee you, if, if you come with that approach, if you come with that here I am approach to God, send me, don't be surprised when he interrupts your schedule because he will interrupt your schedule. He will interrupt your plans. 
but he will use you in a mighty way. He will use you in a mighty way. He's going to prompt you. He's going to move you. He's going to call you to do something greater than you can ever expect if you open up and say, here I am, use me. And, and it's interesting because I heard someone once say that, that God's looking for fat disciples. That's right, fat disciples. That's, that's why I got this. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> God's looking for fat disciples. You see, he, he's looking for people who are faithful. He's looking for people who are available. And he's looking for people who are teachable. So he's looking for fat people. Faithful, available, and teachable people. He's inviting us to join him on a mission. All we got to do is get fat. We got to become faithful we got to become available, and we got to become teachable. That's the kind of fat I want to be. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so today as we close, I just, you know, each of us, I hope in my prayer is that you would say, here I am, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. I want to be obedient to what you call me to do. I want you to interrupt my life. I want you to radically change my life so I can radically change someone else's life. That would be my prayer. And that you would be committed to God, recognizing that it doesn't matter what it costs because it's not our lives. It's not our lives, it's his. It is all about his name, his kingdom, and his glory. That's what this is all about. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with these four walls. It has to do with his name, his honor, and his glory. That's why we do what we do. Are you bold enough to say, here I am, Lord, send me? Or are you just going to sit back with, I'm not going? Send someone else. It's time to change. Each one of us need to change and move forward. Each one of us need to do the work of the ministry. That's what we're called to do. Do the work of the ministry. Like I said, you've heard it from me. You know, Jesus says go, and you've heard it from your neighbor. <clears throat> so it's time we go and do it. You see, I think we're really going to make a difference when we realize that we are a church and that we are made for a life of mission. It's not an individual sport. It is a team sport. Each one of us has an individual part to do, but ultimately it is us as a team that will make a difference in, in this world in this community, and we are all called to be reaching, connecting, and equipping people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's what we're called to do. The last two verses actually said this, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. So I got a couple questions. Are you growing in Christ to be more like him? Not just in knowledge, but actually that change agent to change who you were to become more like him. Are you actually doing that? And are you promoting the growth of the body? Are you promoting the growth of the body of Jesus Christ? Are you really doing your part? 
Are you going out there? Are you inviting people? Are you telling people just come and see? Are you telling people about Jesus and how Jesus transformed your life? At the very beginning of this service, I asked anyone who's been transformed by this church, raise your hand. Over, I'd say over 90% of you raised your hand. So if this church and this body has transformed your life and Jesus has done something in your life, why aren't you passing it on? Are you really doing his work to build up the body of Christ? Or are you just not going and want someone else to go do it for you? All of us have a job to do. And last but not least, the biggest question that puts it all together, are you doing his work? Are you doing his work? Or are you doing the work of yourself? Are you doing it for his glory or your own? Are you doing it for his honor? Are you doing it for his kingdom? Or are you doing it for your own personal preference? We need to do it for him. We need to be seeking him in everything that we do. And maybe, you know, through this series of Life on Mission, you've kind of said, well, you know, I've heard, I've heard it. I'm too old. I can't do that. God's not done. God's not done with any of us. We need to be obedient. We need to step out in faith, knowing what he has called us to do. Make a difference in your house, in your neighborhood. Make a difference every place you go. Be a game changer. Be someone who changes the culture instead of the culture changing you. Be that person that people will come to when all of a sudden they know their life's not going good. They'll know, hey, I can come to Kathy. She's going to pray for me. She's going to be there to listen to me because she's been there to build me up before. Hey, I'm going to come see John. I know John's story. I know where he's been. And I know where he's at today. I know his testimony. I can come and talk to him. Each one of us has someone who should be able to say, I'm going to go talk to so-and-so. And if you don't have people around you like that, maybe you're not doing his work. And maybe you should start doing his work and doing what he's called you to do. My prayer is that each one of us would do the work of the ministry that each one of us would work on building up the kingdom because that's what we're called to do. It's all of our jobs. Hey, and we got some cool new invite cards out there. In front of it, it's got a little emoji on it. What's your favorite emoji? Turn it over, it says ours is high. And then it gives information about the church. It's pretty cute. <laughs> At least I think so. <laughs> so... Get out there, invite people. Get people to come and join the body. Tell them about the radical change in your own life. And if you don't know Jesus, you haven't had that transformation, and you're trying to wait till you get things right, you're never going to be right. Because no one in this room is right. Nobody. We're all messed up and we're all jacked up, but each one of us is loved by our Lord and Savior. And thank God he loves us and he accepts us just the way we are. And if you don't know Jesus, you can come forward today. I'll be off to the side and you can go ahead and we can talk about it. Say a prayer of salvation. And you can enter the kingdom with us. 
Well, maybe you just, I've said it many times, just been playing church and, and maybe your answer is, I'm not going. You just need to come up to the altar and say, okay, God, I'm willing to go. Or maybe you've been saying, send someone else. Maybe it's time to listen to that call that God's got on your life and let him send you. Maybe you just need to come up here and say, God, I need you. Here I am. Send me. Here is the blank contract. Do with me what you will. That's a bold thing to do. And let me tell you, when you do that, he will use you in a radical way. But are you willing to be used by your Savior? The one you call your Savior, your personal Lord and Savior, are you willing to be used by him to glorify him and put yourself out of the way? Maybe you just need to come up here and give it back to him. I don't know what it is, but he does. Reminder immediately after we got a business meeting. And with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I raise up this congregation to you, Lord. Lord, that there would become a congregation of, here I am, send me. Because, Lord, we've got way too many, I'm not going. We've got way too many, send somebody else. And Lord, we need to be bold and take that step and say, here I am, Lord, send me. And Lord, may you use us in a radical way to affect change in our church, in our homes, and in our community. Lord, that we would stop looking to ourselves and look to you for everything that we do. And that we would respond to the mission you've called us to as we walk through this life each and every day. And Lord, we love you, we honor you, we praise you, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen.